Hey, thanks for downloading the podcast. And remember, if you want to listen live, download the iHeartRadio app, download the TuneIn app, and just search for Fantasy Sports Radio Network, and you can listen to this program live. Also, if you want to watch the video of this podcast, check us out on YouTube, on Twitch, or on Periscope, and type in, you guessed it, Fantasy Sports Network. You'll find us there. Enjoy the show, and thanks for listening. Weekdays, noon Eastern on FNTSY Radio and on your popular podcast providers. You're listening to the Fantasy Sports Radio Network. Fantasy, best friends forever. Yo, this is the Fantasy Best Friends Forever here on the Fantasy Sports Radio Network. Alongside Frankie Stample, I am Greg Sussman. Frankie, what's going on, buddy? Greggy, we had an absolute slobber knocker last night between the Seahawks and the Bears. Hope you enjoyed that one. To be honest with you. You didn't watch a single second? No. <laughs> to be I- honest with you? Didn't miss much. I don't know that I watched the play. Like, I think I turned it on with, like, 50 seconds left in the first half, and they went to commercial. I'm like, all right, I'm done. That was it. Yeah, we've been uh, stifled with two primetime games back-to-back now with the Cowboys and the Giants, uh, and then the Bears and the Seahawks, which really have not been great games. I mean, unless you're a Bears fan overall, they won the game. Defense looked phenomenal once again. Obviously, they had six sacks in this game. Uh, but Mitchell Trubisky, still a lot to learn. I saw a lot of people talking about this on Twitter last night. The defense is a ready-to-compete-now defense. I agree. But Mitchell Trubisky is just not there yet. And obviously, I think we knew that there was going to be some growing pains here. Uh, there are some offensive weapons in place with Jordan Howard and Allen Robinson. Allen Robinson getting 14 targets now. Uh, his target share up to 30% on the season now for the Chicago Bears. So clearly the number one target in this offense. And that was something we wanted to pay attention to early on in the season, Greg, to see who does Mitchell Trubisky actually favor most in this offense. It seems to be Jordan Howard. And I know you didn't watch a single play in this game, but the Trey Burton touchdown? Yeah. Did you see that by any chance on Twitter? Nope. Splitting image to the play that they ran with Travis Kelsey last year with the Chiefs on the goal line. Oh, the shovel pass? Faked it to Jordan Howard. Yeah. Shovel pass inside to Trey Burton. The whole line moves one way. Yeah. Yeah. It was beautiful. It was a splitting image of the play that we saw last year. Uh, but again, you know, Trey Burton, only four targets in the offense. You, you, you like the fact that he scored a touchdown, and he was used in that capacity. But uh, Mizzle Trubisky has a lot to learn still um, in the NFL and for obviously for our fantasy purposes. Right, so there you go, Mitchell Trubisky. Uh, the truth, kind of. I don't know if there's Not much so to true. say about the Seahawks. Look, again, it just absolutely baffles me that they used a first-round pick on Rashad Penny on a running back when clearly your biggest need is offensive, offensive line. line. It's just absolutely crazy. It baffles me. You know what it reminds me a lot of, Greg? The Giants? That and the Cowboys <laughs> from a few years ago. Uh, not the Cowboys. The Colts from a few years ago. Yeah. Drafting Philip Dorsett when sure. they clearly needed offensive line. You know what happened to their you know, superstar quarterback? He missed an entire season because he had to have shoulder surgery. Well, he also because got the a, guy was getting absolutely destroyed. He also got like a skiing or snowboarding accident. Yeah, something like that. Yeah. But I'm sure the fact that he was getting destroyed every single year because of a bad offensive line didn't help him. So I'm not saying Russell Wilson is absolutely going to go down that path. 
but he was taking a lot of big hits last night. Had absolutely no time to throw the ball, and you saw that affected in his play. He only threw for 226 yards, two touchdowns. It's not like he really helped you on the ground. I'm really, really worried about the Seahawks offense right now, Greg. Yeah, I'm worried about the Seahawks offense as well. The Chris Carson explanation last night was very weird because he was in the first half, like played fine, and then did not get a touch in the second half. Um, Coach P. Carroll blamed he was saying he was fatigued from special teams. That doesn't make sense Carroll at all. Carroll is just a mess. This team overall is a mess. He said he was gassed because of special teams, and then in the next breath said, we also wanted to see what Rashad Penny could give us in the second half. So you basically just benched Chris Carson one week after saying that he was clearly your lead back and that you liked what you saw out of him. So which one is it? <laughs> it's, it's, it's neither a mess of them. for the Seahawks, it, it, and it's a mess for fantasy. Chris purposes. Carson obviously did something wrong at some point, um, yeah. but the Seahawks are a mess. We're seeing the end and the unraveling of Pete Carroll. I'm, I'm quite sure he will not be in this for the long term. Um, the offensive line is still a disaster. Russell Wilson has no time. And I compared it to the Giants situation, and, and rightfully so. It, look, it looks like the Giants, right? Russell Wilson certainly more mobile than Eli and can create something. But the entire game last night, from what I read, there was nothing to the last drive. And that's where Will Disley got his touchdown, and that's great. Garbage time. There, there was, Killed a lot of people, too, man. Same with Evan Ingram. Same thing. Yeah. Um, but there's nothing going on with this offense because there is no room to maneuver. And I, You know what? I did watch a little bit because I watched... Um, Brandon Marshall had a few catches last night. I saw Tyler Lockett pick up a few as well. Um, that kind of was what we expected it to be. But again, no time. There was just simply no time. Yeah, and if you're just wondering about the Seahawks wide receivers, again, they didn't do anything until late in the fourth quarter in this game. Uh, but I think it's very clear now from last week to this week as well. Tyler Lockett played the most snaps last week. Uh, was targeted the most in this game, had the most receptions, was targeted down the field as well, caught uh, a deep touchdown on the right sideline. So that was good to see. I think moving forward, we know that he is ahead of Brandon Marshall in, in the That's pecking fair. order and for fantasy purposes. Too. That's fair. While I, Doug Baldwin is out. I, I agree with that. I think Marshall still has a role. I think he, he, Marshall was all over the place in the first half, which was good. Second half, nothing. And unfortunately, the tale of two halves um, for the Seahawks last night. As you mentioned, for the Bears, Trey Burton gets into the end zone. Jordan Howard uh, didn't look great last night. However, um, severely outtouched Tariq Cohen, who battled a minor ankle injury. He's going to be fine. Jordan Howard's the guy you want to own, I believe, in Chicago. Yeah, absolutely. But, you know, people are worried about his production, and rightfully so. I mean, 14 carries. Yeah, he handled the bulk here. Tariq Cohen only had four of those carries, but only went for 35 yards. Not good. With, uh, with Jordan Howard. So, yeah, that was not great. That was one week after the Denver Broncos, both Philip Lindsay and Royce Freeman, both ran all over the Seahawks defense. So it's kind of troubling to see that this offense overall, I would say, is not clicking for the Chicago Bears right now. Yeah, I, I, I totally agree. I don't think yeah. it's a Jordan Howard problem. I think it's a... No, he was still targeted four times. He had yeah. three receptions for 33 yards. So, I mean, you know, that's, that's great to see from that perspective, the fact that he continues to get targeted, and for the most part, he's catching them. There was a play last night where... Trubisky, he threw a lot of dangerous passes. Like sure. He easily could have had four or five interceptions in this game. Right. One of them, he threw an out to Jordan Howard, and it could have been intercepted by Michael Kendricks. went right through his hands, but it ultimately ended up being a really, really nice catch by Jordan Howard. He like bobbled it a little bit, but then came down with it and ran up the sideline for like an additional 15 yards. Uh, so that was good to see, but a lot of dangerous decisions from Mitchell Trubisky. We need to see more from uh, this offensive line of the Bears, which we thought would be 
pretty solid. Um, and more out of Jordan Howard just overall, uh, once they get in that red zone, you know, that play to Trey Burton, that easily could have been a Jordan Howard touchdown. Absolutely. It's going to come for Jordan Howard. Uh, I remember week two last year, everyone freaked out. I try, I literally offered as a Jordan Howard owner, Jordan Howard for Tariq Cohen. Jordan Howard finishes a top 12 running back. Uh, Tariq Cohen did not. So yep. I'm not exactly worried yet when it comes to Jordan Howard. You the mentioned- one positive here, sorry, Greg, is that Tariq Cohen isn't doing anything nothing, either. Nothing. So it's not like Tariq Cohen stealing from him last year. That's what we were worried about early on, um, was the fact that Tariq Cohen was stealing, and he looked much more productive than Jordan Howard. That's not the case. There's not really anyone here who looks more productive than Jordan Howard. I would say that it's important to note, um, I won our Fandle. Yes, you did. Yeah, I mean, you had the Bears defense that... Now, you sealed it already, but, I mean, that was just the cherry on top. It was nice. Shout out to Greggy, bro. feel good, man. I beat you, and I beat you. And how did you do that? I, f- I feel like this is like a shameless plug. We should kind of just like throw 100%. it out there. 100%. So I made, my, <laughs> I made my lineup, I think it was on Saturday, either Saturday night or Sunday morning, I made the lineup. And Frank and I produce and, and host at certain points. Uh, the FanDuel Hurry Up, that comes on um, our YouTube page every afternoon, uh, we tape it at around 2 p.m. Uh, on a daily basis. And Jim Sonis over at FanDuel had these guys, here's the teams you stack, here's your under-the-radar plays, and all I did was follow his instructions. Um, and I did to a T. Todd Gurley, Juju Smith-Schuster. Did you have Juju? I did not have Juju. Oh, I had Juju. Ben. Hold on. So I'm actually going to pull up, because I still have the document. We, we make a document every week, every day. Yeah. So I'm going to actually pull up the document, because I still have it from last week, because we haven't updated it yet from, from last Wednesday and Thursday. We updated it by the day. So I look at the, at the FanDuel. Of course, it's the wrong Google Doc. Uh, I look at the FanDuel Google Doc that we share, Frankie. You did not do this. No, I didn't. And Jim Sonis recommended to us to use, let's see here, matchups to exploit. Steelers passing offense, Ben Roethlisberger. Check. Ding. Panthers rushing offense, Christian McCaffrey. Check. Ding. He said that we should, who else is on my, who else is on my team? I forget. I, forget. I mean, Todd Gurley wasn't. Yeah, Todd Gurley, uh, but it was like, that was an obvious, it was like, that was his cash play recommendation, which obviously made sense. Yeah. As I go to Thursday, he also said, oh, pay up at running back. That was Todd Gurley. Check, obviously. Yep. Yeah. We also, he said, um, I'm sure I have Nelson Aguilar in here, right? I, I love the Nelson Aguilar. Okay, I'm just playing the team now, because that's what I probably should have done before this conversation. He said that this is really a long process, much longer than expected, to be honest with you. The matter okay, of the fact here, here is that you used Jim Sonis' recommendations I'm on not, FanDuel Hurry Up, and it ultimately helped you win our FanDuel contest, which if you want to compete in, send me yeah. your username on Twitter at Roto underscore Frank. He liked the Chargers offense, Keenan Allen, check. He liked Nelson Aguilar under the radar play, check. He said uh, when it comes to... Cleveland, he liked the Cleveland stack of Tyrod Taylor and Jarvis Landry. Put it in Jarvis Landry. Check. And tight end. I ev- used Tyrod Taylor over Big Ben, which is what killed me. Every ty- everybody loved um, George Kittle this week. Check. Didn't work out, but I put him in because everybody loved him. And then the only spot that he didn't mention was at Jacksonville, where I put in TJ Yeldon, um, knowing that Leonard Fournette wouldn't play. Didn't work out. That was the only one he did not bring up. Uh, and I put him in there. So literally this entire thing is Jim Sonis. So thank you, Jim, for winning me $45. There it is. And there it is. Uh, also to note, uh, also on the FanDuel Hurry Up, you can check out FanDuel.com slash the duel or FanDuel social media. Uh, Frank was our gambling expert yesterday. Uh, and what did you pick in that Seattle game uh, last night? I-, I thought we were just going to sweep this one under the rug. Nope. Uh, 
Uh, I chose the Seahawks and I chose the over, neither of which was correct. Uh, okay. But it's another day. It's a new day. So, so on a Friday when you gave your BFF picks, I went 2-1 and one in my gambling picks. Uh, what did you do? Uh, I went 0 for 3. Hmm. Not a great week. Well, I heard on Carton and Friends that it was not a very successful gambling and week yet all I around the country. But I was successful. You weren't successful because you didn't actually one. place those bets. Right, but, I, but if people were listening to my picks, <laughs> sure. they would have been successful. Sure. You placed the bets, yeah. and you were unsuccessful. Yeah. I put one in for uh, my fiancé who wanted to play. She was like, oh, I want to gamble. So I put in the Chiefs and Steelers over. That's the only one that hit. Obviously. Kinga, more successful than you. Yeah. Have we, have we for fin- my own picks. Have we finalized the hashtag yet? Uh, no. Not, not necessarily. We're king leading. of the Stample is kind of leading the charge right now. King of the Stample? Or King of the Stample. It's got to be King of the Stample. I said that, but she likes King of the Stample. That doesn't make sense. She's the king of me, I guess. No, it's so King of the Stample. It's very simple. Right. I'll tell her you said that. Please do. Please do. Uh, we're working on our wedding website at the moment. A wedding website? It's a thing. All these, you, you learn all these things. I'm sorry, Frank. All right. Now, you're creating this wedding hashtag. You've got to have to pick a date before you have the hashtag, don't you? Yeah, I mean, that's not really a concern right now. Why it is though? If you're coming up with the hashtag, you're not coming up with the, the date. No, that's a little bit later on. I mean, we don't have to reveal the hashtag like now. You just did. No, I mean it's not set in stone yet. Okay, we're still taking recommendations. You tweeted <laughs> me at roto underscore frank and let me know what you think. There you go. Um, last week on this very show, I'm sorry, on the Wednesday show, my buddy Max called in, and we laughed at him quite a bit, and his two. The two players that he spent the most on, if you remember, were Philip Lindsay, Lindsay yep. and Deshaun Jackson. <laughs> Max, I apologize. Max has the last laugh. He does. For now. He, he crushed it, man. He crushed it. Like, I'm looking at this week's waivers, and I have no idea who Max is going to spend money on. Probably nobody because he doesn't have any left. But, like, there's nobody I want to spend money on this week. And we're going to get into it over the next 40 minutes or so. But there's no one I really want to spend money on. This week. Like, Philip Lindsay worked out last week. Deshaun Jackson worked out last week. I don't know that there's a guy out there this week that will have the same amount of success. Maybe one guy. But overall, not so much. Before we get into that, I do want to talk about Philip Lindsay because we didn't get a chance to do it yesterday in that Denver-Oakland game, which Oakland had and then obviously blew. Uh, Denver um, wind up coming back very, very late against the Raiders. Much thanks to Philip Lindsay, who combined... Devon Booker and Royce Freeman had less carries then. Vance Joseph came out yesterday and said, listen, I'm not making a change at starter, but the hot hand will get the ball. Fine. What do you make of the Broncos running game right now? Royce Freeman obviously was in your top 12 running backs last week. Uh, what do you think, Frank? Royce Freeman was not in my top 12 running backs, Greg. Top 20. Uh, I was excited for him because I th- said he would score a touchdown, which he did. Um, ultimately, it, was, it ended up being a good matchup. It just turns out that Royce Freeman uh, wasn't the guy that would benefit most from it. It was Philip Lindsay. Uh, a lot of his production came on one long run, a 53-yard run, but he continues to show his shiftiness, his quickness, um, his versatility, the way that he can be used both between the tackles and running to the outside, the fact that he can catch the ball out of the backfield. So this is a very frustrating situation for Royce Freeman owners, but if you were able to pick up Philip Lindsay, like our buddy Max... And I think you feel pretty good about that right now because while they're saying they're going with a hot hand approach, yep. Philip Lindsay is the hot hand approach right now. No question He's about it. He's clearly the lead running back right now in a committee, which, again, 
is going to be frustrating throughout the year. There could be inconsistency. Maybe one game it's Freeman. Maybe one game it's Lindsey. But through two games, it has been Lindsey. He led the team in snaps this past week. He led the running backs in touches. 14 carries, 107 yards. Just showed more burst than Royce Freeman overall. But when they got down near the goal line, it was Royce Freeman who scored the touchdown. So maybe if we're just trying to carve out roles right now and figure out who's who, it seems like Royce Freeman, the bigger back of the two, is the goal line back. Um, And then whoever is running better really early on in that game seems like they're going to be the guy who is going to kind of get the most touches throughout that game. So as of right now, I would say both running backs are in the flex discussion, which is frustrating for Freeman owners who drafted him in the third or fourth round. Yeah, absolutely true. Um, I also want to note, Mari Cooper had a really good game. They force-fed him the ball as expected, and he looked good. And someone pointed out on Twitter, if you just look at passing numbers, Overall, for Oakland over the first two games, like Mari Cooper very much involved in Week 2. Jared Cook obviously was the man in Week 1. So, you know, a little life in that Oakland passing game. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, Derek Carr, for what it's worth, look, the, uh, the Oakland Raiders did not win this game. But 29 of 32, Greg. Yeah. He had three incompletions for 288 yards and a touchdown. You want to talk about him responding to the criticism from John Gruden and everyone else out there who was talking about him after that Monday Night Football performance. He went into Denver, had three incompletions, threw for almost 300 yards, a touchdown. And Amari Cooper had a great game as well. Ten receptions, caught all ten of his targets for 116 yards. This goes to show that you can't chase one week's poor production or one week's great production. You have to project forward. We're taking a break. When we come back, the latest on Antonio Brown, and we hit the waiver wire for week three. Stick around. More from your BFFs right after this. Steiner Sports is the leading memorabilia provider for the New York Yankees, Rangers, Giants, Knicks, and the Brooklyn Nets. Featuring hundreds of items from your favorite athletes, Steiner Sports is your source for the best sports gifts. Go to SteinerSports.com box and shop our collection of memorabilia boxes, which include 10 gifts for the price of one. We've made one for each of your favorite teams. Hurry, supplies are limited, and these are some of the best deals we have ever offered. So go to SteinerSports.com box today. Another third eye blind song, by the way. Did you know that? What is this? Another third eye blind song. Yeah, sounds familiar. It's called not Never as, Let like, Obviously, go. it's not a hit like. It was a big hit. Semi Charm. Nah. I mean, uh, for us at least. I'm sorry. See, there it is. BetDSI is celebrating 20 years as the industry's biggest and safest betting site. They have great customer service, fast, easy payment of winnings. You can play virtually every sport at BetDSI with hundreds of wagering options, including live and game wagering on all major sporting events where you can make your play at any time during the game. Using promo code FNTSY, BetDSI is offering up to a $1,000 bonus on your first deposit. Use promo code FNTSY and try BetDSI.com. That's BetDSI.com. The promo code is FNTSY. Head on over and start winning today. Before we hit the waiver wire, I want to talk about the two biggest happenings to two major wide receivers over the last two days. Josh Gordon, the latest on him. We knew he was being traded when we were on the air yesterday. We got off. He was traded. This time, the New England Patriots. You've heard a lot over the last 24 hours that this is Randy Moss 2.0. Our buddy Steve, who works with us, said, to me, it's more Aqib Tlaib 2.0. Makes sense. A malcontent coming over 
that's very, very talented, that Bill Belichick believes in his system he could support. I talked to a lot of people about Josh Gordon over the last 24 hours, and they look at what Bill Belichick has done, and it's not really dealing with guys that have a mental illness, potentially, or substance abuse issues. We haven't seen that. We've certainly seen Bill Belichick take a lot of me guys and turn them into we guys. Chad Johnson, right? Randy Moss. Well, tried with Chad Johnson. It didn't really work. No, but Randy but Moss for sure. He, he brings in a lot of these me guys and they quickly shut up. Corey Dillon is a great example, yeah. And he turns them into we guys. But guys that have their own personal issues that are not really about me, we haven't seen that necessarily work with Belichick. But he certainly believes with his support system, it will. I think when you look at Josh Gordon and you kind of add it up, and I read the story on The Athletic today about him. And what happened last week was he told the team, he got approval from the team to do a photo shoot at the team facility. What happened was it was much like some of the social media stuff that he's put out. And he started running and jumping and doing some athletic stuff. He wasn't out drinking or smoking or anything like that. And he did essentially a 40-yard dash that they were filming about 10, between 10 and 11 p.m. last Friday night. Does his 40-yard dash, tweaks the hamstring. So he comes about 10 minutes late to the team walkthrough slash meeting on Saturday morning. Why does he come 10 minutes late? Obviously embarrassed to tell the team what happens. Goes right into the trainer's room, who says he's not going to be be able to play on Sunday. Later does an MRI, goes to a doctor. They said it's not a long-term concern. He'll be fine. The Browns basically say, listen, we're done. The good news is he's not broken his sobriety. But I think he just let the Browns as an organization down too much. Now, for the Patriots, will he be able to get healthy? Will he be able to just come to work and, and do his thing? I think there's optimism there. Because he was in Florida for a month getting himself in the right state of mind before training camp. He hasn't had a relapse or a setback. We know how talented he is. But in that system where Bill Belichick doesn't allow players to let him down, will he be able to survive or will it be too much pressure? There's a lot of question marks when it comes to Josh Gordon. But now he's on the Patriots. I know a lot of people are foaming at the mouth at this. Where are you, Frankie, when it comes to Josh Gordon? You know what's crazy, and it's going to sound weird because obviously now he plays with the New England Patriots. I don't think much has changed since when we were drafting him, right? There's so much volatility between what he can give you, what his ceiling can be, and what his floor can be. His ceiling, I'm not going to go as far as to say that he can be Randy Moss, but I think he is clearly the closest physical specimen to Randy Moss that this team has had since Randy Moss in terms of being able to get down the field and what he could potentially bring to this team in the red zone. Yes, Brandon Cooks was extremely speedy, and he could get behind the defense, and I think Josh Gordon can do a lot of that as well. But Brandon Cooks is not the physical specimen that Josh Gordon is. So I understand why people want to get excited about this. And I saw you know, a funny tweet yesterday from Pat Thorman of Pro Football Focus that said, you know, back in 2013, Josh Gordon caught seven balls for 151 yards and a touchdown against Bill Belichick and the Patriots. Bill Belichick doesn't forget things like that. You know what's crazy is like he takes a lot of guys from within the division in the AFC East, guys who do well against him, and then he kind of, takes him and molds him into whatever player he wants him to be. He's done that with Chris Hogan. He's sure. done that with Wes Welker. He's done that with Darrell Rivas. Plenty of players in the past he's done that with. So it's kind of funny to think that he will go as far back to think about that. But look, there is a lot of upside here for Josh Gordon, but we need to temper expectations. 
This is clearly the best quarterback he's ever played with. But, again, it comes down to does he buy into the system? Does he buy into the New England Patriots way? If he does, I think that there's a chance that he can flourish and that his upside can be big. With that being said, why we need to temper expectations is that the Patriots spread the ball around, Greg. To this point in the season, they have four players between 10 and 17 targets. That includes Chris Hogan, that includes Philip Dorsett, Rob Gronkowski, and James White. Those are just four weapons. Julian Edelman is still returning to this team, and now Josh Gordon is still returning. So they're going to spread the ball around. Is he ever going to demand, you know, 10-plus targets in this offense? I don't think so. Well, I, I, don't, can, I, I think the answer to that is yes, but not on a weekly basis. I mean, yeah, it, it could happen, but it's never going to be consistent. Right. It, like, there's going to be a lot of mouths to feed here, and again, because he plays in this offense and defenses have to worry about Gronk and all these other weapons, he really only needs one. He only needs one, you know, down-the-field 50-yard touchdown to make his day for fantasy, and that's going to be possible. But again, the floor is very low because, as we know, given his substance problems and, you know, if he doesn't buy into the New England Patriots' way, he can easily be off this team by, you know, midseason. So that's why the high is very high for Josh Gordon. The low is very low. And that was pretty much how we felt about him coming into the draft season. So it sounds weird that not much has changed, but in my opinion, not much has changed for Josh Gordon. We still know what his upside can be. I think, undoubtedly, this affects Chris Hogan a lot in the offense. He only has 14% of the target share right now. That's without Julian Edelman. That's without Josh Gordon. He's clearly this team's downfield threat. 16.8 ADOT leads the team. So he's being used in that regard. And I think Josh Gordon's going to take over that role as well. So if you can try and shop Chris Hogan right now, just to see what you can get. I would do it. I'm not selling him just for the sake of selling him, but I am worried overall about the the targets, the consistency, the usage that we're going to get out of Chris Hogan moving forward. So I think it's fair to be concerned about yeah. Chris Hogan, but I don't think just think he goes away. I think he has too much of a good rapport with Bill Belichick I agree with that. and a good rapport with Tom Brady to, to simply go away. Um, I think he's not going to be the wide receiver. Two, high wide receiver two that you drafted uh, early fourth round. Um, I think he's more of a wide receiver three. He's yeah. more of a wide receiver three. Exactly. I completely agree with that. The targets won't necessarily be there, but what I did think is when he does get targeted, it'll be big. Those will be you know wide open targets because you know defenses when it comes down to Edelman, Gronk covering James White, in the backfield, cover so Josh players. Gordon, like Chris Hogan is going to be the last person that defenses are thinking about that we need to cover. So we've seen especially last year, he doesn't need a lot of targets to be fantasy-friendly. So he's going to probably just be, end up being a touchdown-dependent wide receiver because I don't see how he gets a lot of volume in terms of targets and receptions in this offense now. Yeah, I completely agree with you. Um, going back to Cleveland for a moment, this is our waiver wire week three program. Josh Gordon is gone. That leaves David Njoku, who really has done nothing thus far, um, as, as taking a step up. Certainly Jarvis Landry, the obvious number one wide receiver there. But who's number two? You've heard Rashard Higgins is going to start. This team signed Rod Streeter off the street yesterday. And then Antonio Callaway caught the long touchdown late in the game against against the Saints on Sunday. Frank, on most waiver wires, Antonio Callaway and Rashad Higgins sit. Certainly Rod Streeter does as well. Uh, which one of these guys are you going after and how much are you spending this week? So I would be more inclined to go after Antonio Callaway. I agree. I know Rashard Higgins had more targets this game. He played more offensive snaps. But the team obviously um, likes Antonio Callaway a lot. We saw that throughout Hard Knocks. You know, they were trying to work with him to get uh, these off-the-field issues behind him. Um, and remember, he would have been an earlier draft pick 
in the draft if it weren't for off-the-field issues. So we know that John Dorsey is willing to take these risks. He did the same thing when he was in Kansas City with Tyreek Hill. So he comes over to Cleveland, takes another risk in Antonio Callaway. I think they like what he brings to the table, and he's a good complement to this offense, right? Jarvis Landry is their possession receiver. Um, He's going to be using that Antonio Brown mold in this Todd Haley offense. I think David Njoku is next up. You see that in the targets, the way that he's been used so far, the target share on this team. I was tweeting about that last night. In terms of the tight end position, David Njoku is both fifth and sixth in target and target share, respectively, at the position. So he's going to get used more now. And I think Antonio Callaway is the next man up. So in terms of Fab, how much are you going to spend? I don't think he's like a break-the-bank kind of guy. I don't know that he's like a week-in and week-out starter. He might just be a bi-week guy for you who has some big weeks. And with that, you know, 7 to 10% fab, I think that makes sense. Uh, but especially the way he was used last week in that long touchdown that he caught, I think he gained more trust from both Tyrod Taylor uh, and the coaching staff. So Antonio Callaway, to me, is probably the third option in the passing game. Um, and that, that should have a role for fantasy when it comes to Todd Haley's offense. Yeah, I, I also like Antonio Callaway the best. Um, they need a downfield threat, and that's not Jarvis Landry, and that's not really David Njoku either. We've seen a lot of Rashard Higgins be a jag. And Antonio Callaway, you mentioned in Hard Knocks, you mentioned that he fell during the draft because of off-the-field concerns, but he's a talented player on the field. And I think you saw some of that talent um, on display on Sunday in the what should have been game-tying catch. Is he going to be somebody that I feel comfortable starting in my flex position on a weekly basis? Probably not. He's not Josh Gordon. I like Njoku. I like Jarvis Landry. I don't think I could do it with Callaway. With that being said, I am going to put a few dollars on him this week just to grab him. I'm thinking like three bucks, something like that. Nothing crazy. Is I that said too seven low? to ten percent. So I'm a little so bit, a little I'm bit a little higher. On okay. Him. Especially with it came out yesterday, Jarvis Landry is dealing with a knee injury. We don't know that that's going to threaten his ability to play this week. It's also a short week, but it now. is a Thursday night game. So there's a chance that we go into this game without Landry, and then you know Antonio Callaway and Rashard Higgins are you know the top outside wide receivers for this offense. The question, Greg, would you drop, because, you know, we like to drop, we like to talk about players who you're going to drop to to get him. There's a whole group of wide receivers right now that are very droppable, and we're getting lots of questions about. I'll just throw a few names at you, and you tell me, would you drop this player for Antonio Callaway, or really any of the wide receivers that we're going to talk about? Robbie Anderson. No. You wouldn't drop Robbie Anderson for Antonio Callaway? No. I think Robbie Anderson, we saw him involved in week one. He scored the touchdown. It was a long pass. If you think Robbie Anderson, to me, it's Robbie Anderson and Antonio Cali, both kind of the deep threats on their team. Yep. The Jets offense never really got going in a, in, a, in a fashion that was suited for Robbie Anderson in week two. I, I, I wait another week on Robbie Anderson when it comes to, compared to Antonio Callaway. Elvin Benjamin. Um, no. I, I still think that Josh Allen needs a big target to throw to, and that is Kelvin Benjamin. Jamison Crowder. Getting lots of questions about. Yeah, Jameson Crowder, I, I get the questions. I wait one more week on Crowder, too. I don't know that I would do it for Callaway, but might do it for some of the other guys that we'll talk Potentially. about. Potentially. Jordy Nelson. Yes. Yeah, I agree with you on that one. That one I dropped. I might do it for Robbie Anderson as well, too, because if you just look at the, the way that the offenses work, in my opinion, obviously, Quincy Noon was the number one target in that offense. No and doubt. then this past week, we saw Terrell Pryor targeted more than Robbie Anderson as well, and he seems to fit that mold more so of the guy that they can use all around the field. I just, I said it last week about Sam Darnold. I don't know how many deep shots he's going to take per game because, especially with a guy who's turnover prone, he's going to be 
a little bit more cautious with the ball. I don't know that he's going to take those 50-50 chances on a deep ball with Robbie Anderson the same way that Josh McCown was willing to do a year ago. So with that being said, it looks like Terrell Pryor is even ahead of Robbie Anderson in the pecking order for targets. And then there's also Bilal Powell, who's catching passes out of the backfield for the Jets. So I'm, I'm more so inclined to drop Robbie Anderson than I think you are. And I think I would do it for Antonio Callaway as well. When it comes to Kelvin Benjamin... I agree with you. Uh, maybe for some of these other wide receivers we talk about, um, I'll do it, but not for Antonio Callaway. Um, Jameson Crowder, I wouldn't drop for Callaway either, but I, I'm with you on Jordy Nelson. He just really hasn't been involved in the offense that much. We get to the Pittsburgh situation where yep. Antonio Brown doesn't show up to work yesterday. Mike Tomlin was asked about it quite a bit about an hour ago now, and he said not much. He, he kind of filibustered it and wouldn't say if it was excused or not excused, which obviously means it wasn't excused. Uh, he says he was not asked to be traded and I think he, and then he said he looks forward to meeting with him later today. That's all well and good. We'll see if Antonio Brown shows up to work tomorrow uh, for the first practice of the week. But I have to ask, Frank, is the Antonio Brown Pittsburgh Steel relationship going the way of Le'Veon Bell at this point? It is not looking good right now. And you know what? This really frustrates me about the Pittsburgh Steelers. And I'm not going to say all professional athletes in general, but this is something that irks me because. You can tell a lot about a team and people just overall when you get punched in the mouth, right? Right. It's how you respond. Sure. Now, this team has started 0-1-1 with a tie against the Cleveland Browns, the hapless Cleveland Browns in week one. And everyone is panicking in Pittsburgh Steeler country right now to the point where you know, guys like Antonio Brown, like this is how we're, they're reacting because he's not getting the ball, because the team is losing, uh, because of criticism that he's facing on Twitter and in the media. This is how you respond? I just, I don't like that, man. Like, a guy who's supposed to be, you know, one of the top performers in his sport at his position, we cannot dispute that. Antonio Brown is one of those. The moment that you start getting some criticism and you get off to a slow start with the Steelers, this is how everything's reacting, kind of makes me sad. Kind of makes me sad about the way that everything's going down here, Greg. Yeah, you, you saw it during the game. I mentioned it on yesterday's show that Antonio Brown didn't celebrate a touchdown. And it's not just him, because there's been plenty of wide receivers in the history of the NFL divas. who react the same exact way. Yeah, absolutely. And I just think Antonio Brown, th- there's something up there. Uh, there's something up there. And because of that, we do have waivers running tonight. I have to ask the question. Juju Smith-Schuster ascends to this number one wide receiver role, which we saw all over the weekend. He's been fantastic through the first two weeks. James Washington caught a touchdown as well on Sunday. If Antonio Brown, if something does happen, I'm not saying he's going to get traded, but if he gets benched or he doesn't show up or something along those lines, uh, how important is it to grab James Washington off your waiver wire? I think he's a sneaky ad last night. Again, we're going to talk about a few more wide receivers. I would rank him behind most of those guys. I would rank him behind Antonio Callaway as well. I just think Callaway will have a more consistent role, but I think it's a very savvy move, especially if you are an Antonio Brown owner or a Juju Smith-Schuster owner, to pick up James Washington. Look, we, as crazy as it sounds, we don't think Antonio Brown is going to get traded, but we also said a week before the season, Le'Veon Bell is going to be playing. and He's not going to be holding out. So is the impossible really possible when it comes to the Pittsburgh Steelers? I think they've proven that it is. So I'm not going to go as far as to say Antonio Brown's going to get traded, but we saw the tweet yesterday, trade me then. Um, it's come out, Mike Tomlin has said that he hasn't, been, he hasn't told the team that he wants to be traded, but crazy things have happened in the NFL. So if you want to just take a deep stab at James Washington on the off chance that he becomes the number two wide receiver in the Steelers' offense, I have no problem with that. Yeah, and I, I, I completely agree. I actually own James Washington 
um, over the weekend, and I played the Yahoo game where you could drop players on your bench. I, once the game was over, everybody was healthy. I actually dropped James Washington for Cortland Sutton, doing the same thing with the Broncos. Uh, didn't wind up working out. Um, but, you know, I'm going to go back to James Washington well uh, for the same reason that you just mentioned. Let's take a break here. When we return, we're going to go over the other wide receivers that you should be grabbing in week three on the waiver wire. We'll also hit the running backs, and, and we'll do a whole lot more. Stick around. There's more to come. This is the Fantasy Best Friends Forever on the Fantasy Sports Radio Network. Umber Liquidators is celebrating the opening of our 400th store. So we're putting over 400 floors on sale. That means huge savings for you. Get pre-finished hardwood and bamboo up to 36% off, including new styles like Mediterranean maple and best sellers like silver stone bamboo. Take 25% off all dream home laminate and 10 to 15% off our best waterproof floors. More from just 49 cents plus special financing and professional installation. Hurry, get to your local Umber Liquidators today. Head on over to DailyRoto.com, the site that has produced $7 million winners, and click on Go Premium. There you will gain access to a line optimizer that will help you compose your DFS rosters on both FanDuel and DraftKings, not only... Has DailyRoto.com produced 7 millionaires? It's also produced millions more in winnings for, for its subscribers. If it's sports wagering you're into, click on the new sports betting tab. We'll be able to use the same tools and algorithms that produced all those winnings for money line picks, picks against the spread, game totals, player props, where you can capitalize player performances on without having to worry about salary caps. That's DailyRoto.com. Click on Go Premium, the industry website where millionaires are made, literally. Frankie, we are getting to the wide receivers now. The rest of the wide receivers, who you would like to add in week number three. Um, Sean Jackson's out there. I know he's owned in f- over 50% of the leagues, as I said, in my league. In one of my leagues, uh, Max picked him up. And the other one, uh, he was actually picked up on Sunday morning last week. So, so that worked out for no dollars. Um, so that certainly worked out for that owner. Other top wide receivers that are out there. Just at 50%, that's John Brown. And I want to stick with that last Thursday's game between Baltimore and Cincinnati because I think there's a couple of options here. Let me start with John Brown here, Frankie. Um, I didn't buy back into the John Brown hype. I don't really want to ever own Ravens. But tied for the team lead in targets. I believe he had 10 last Thursday night, targeting in the end zone as well. Uh, how important is it to go out and get John Brown? I think it's pretty important. I I was with you. I didn't trust John Brown. I tweeted that out after the game last week uh, that he is clearly the number two, maybe like 1B to Michael Crabtree just because he hasn't been targeted overall as much as Michael Crabtree. But if you look at the way that he's being used, he's being targeted both downfield and in the red zone. He has 15% of the target share on the team. That's second behind only Crabtree, as I mentioned. 268 air yards, Greg, and 19.1 ADOT. That means he is the deep threat, and we've known that the, the deep threat in the Baltimore Ravens offense has value. Um, and, you know, he also has, he leads a team with three targets inside the 20, three targets inside the 10. So he's being used in multiple capacities, being used inside the red zone, being used down the field as that deep threat. So I think Crabtree is kind of like that Steve Smith, Anquan Bolden possession receiver for Joe Flacco. And then you have John Brown, who's kind of like that Mike Wallace, but they're using him even more creatively in the red zone than we would have imagined. So I think based on his usage to this point, 
he is a low-end wide receiver three, high-end wide receiver four. Uh, maybe a guy you plug in for bye weeks or if you have injuries or if he has a good matchup, uh, he's a guy that you can slide in there. I, I think he's worked his way up to that status. I think so, too. How much are you spending on him? If he's available, I'll go a little bit more than uh, Antonio Callaway. So kind of like that 9 10 11% range, something yeah, like that. Yeah, I'm, I'm still a little lower um, okay. than that. I'm more in the 7 to 8 range okay. um, than, than the over 10 range. Like, would you rather have... Would you rather have Brandon Marshall or John Brown? Because so Brandon Marshall was the guy you were spending $10, $11 on last week. So which one of those two guys would you rather have? I would rather have John Brown right now. Okay. I just think based on his usage and the, what I saw from the Seattle Seahawks offense, it's just I don't know how much time Russell Wilson's going to have to throw the ball. And, you know, Brandon Marshall, not a guy that creates as much separation as he once did. So, you know, he needs some time to, like, work his routes down the field. We saw that yesterday where he ran out, um, pretty much just ran a sit-down route, and then that turned into an interception. So, um, yeah, I'd rather take John Brown just based on his usage in the red zone and deep threat. Uh, And Joe Flacco actually hasn't looked so terrible. So I'll take John Brown. Staying in that game from last Thursday night, you have to talk about Tyler Boyd, who's Mm -hmm. available in 99% of fantasy leagues at this point. He operated as the clear number two wide receiver for this team, other than A.J. Green. Uh, He was right up there. I believe he tied A.J. Green in targets with nine. Obviously, he didn't have the three touchdowns that A.J. Green did. But Tyler Boyd looked really, really good last Thursday night. This And Thursday nights, people kind of forget what happens because it's so long ago at this point. But how interested are you in Tyler Boyd? Very interested as well. I I think that's really the top group of wide receivers this week that you're going to look to target if they're available is John Brown, Antonio Callaway, um, Tyler Boyd, if Deshaun Jackson is still out there, obviously. But Tyler Boyd, like you mentioned, he's clearly the number two target in this offense, Greg. We thought we wanted uh, John Ross to be a thing. We wanted Tyler Eifert to be a thing. But if you just look at the usage right now, uh, 20% target share for Tyler Boyd and A.J. Green Whereas John Ross just has six targets on the season. Um, Tyler Eifert's been held under 10 targets on the season. Uh, We wanted Tyler Boyd to kind of break out last year. It just took the Bengals too long to get rid of um, Brandon LaFell in this offense. So Tyler Boyd, remember, he was a very productive player in college. Uh, Going back to his days at Pitt, he had a three-year career, over 3,300 receiving yards, 21 receiving touchdowns. So He was a sought-after commodity in the draft. It just took a little bit of time for him to break out here. I think he's clearly the number two target in this offense. Um, I think he's right up there with John Brown. Like, if you wanted to put a backup bid on John Brown or vice versa, I think they're in the same range. They're the number two targets in their respective offenses. So you're going the same amount, like that 10 to $13 range? 10 to 13% range, I would say? I would say that's fair on uh, on Tyler Boyd. Yeah, I, I, I think so. Two, I, I know I was in the. I think I'm in the seven, eight dollar range for both of them. I think they, I agree that they are very similar and they're on that same level for mm-hmm. me. Um, so I'm spending seven to eight on John Brown. I'm going to probably do the same thing when it comes to Tyler Boyd. How would you rank Brown, Boyd, Callaway? I probably put both Brown. So I think, in all honesty, now that I think about it, mm-hmm. you know, out loud. I think I would have Brown 1, Boyd 2, Callaway 3. I agree, 100%. And the main reason why I'm thinking that is because John Brown doesn't have an A.J. Green in his offense. Exactly, exactly. And that's the 1,000% the same reason I did it. 100% agree. Um, Other pass catchers that are out there. I think you have to get to O.J. Howard. And as we do, we get today's stat of the day. 
Yeah, I tweeted this out last night. I think it's really interesting usage for the Tampa Bay Bucks. But after nearly identical snaps last season, we're talking Cameron Brait was like 53%. OJ Howard was 55% of the snaps overall on the season. OJ Howard has pulled away in the first two weeks this year. Howard, week one, 65% snaps. In week two, that went up to 79%. For Cameron Brait, 36% of the snaps in week one, that went down to 24% of the snaps in week two. And we've seen that Cameron Brait is just not involved in this offense at all with Ryan Fitzpatrick under center. And O.J. Howard flashed his athleticism, his upside, what he's able to do on that 75-yard touchdown this past week. He's just in night, in a matchup nightmare for opposing defenses. And really, this is why we I'm talking up Ryan Fitzpatrick now as a legit you know, top 12 quarterback, at least this week against the Steelers. If you're trying to stop this defense, you have Mike Evans on one side, you have Deshaun Jackson on another side, one guy's a burner, one guy can do it all, Chris Godwin, you know, in the slot, or, you know, on plays where Deshaun Jackson isn't on the field, Chris Godwin can do a little bit of everything as well, and then you have a freak athlete in O.J. Howard who, yeah, he's blocking a lot of the time, but if he comes off that line and gets down the field, goes up the seam, or, you know, takes a quick slant, he has this ability to score a 75-yard touchdown from anywhere on the field because defenses are paying attention to the other players for the Tampa Bay Bucks. So if you're looking for a streaming tight end this week, especially against the Steelers, who just allowed two touchdowns against the Kansas City Chiefs and Travis Kelsey, I think O.J. Howard is in the stream conversation this week, Greg. Yeah, I, I 100% agree with you because we're always looking for the tight end that's going to break out or the tight end that will be consistent. And O.J. Howard, given the usage, as you just mentioned, given the target share, as you just mentioned, he's quickly getting there. And if you are a Jack Doyle owner that now has to deal with Eric Ebron on a weekly basis, if you're somebody that is simply struggling at the tight end, you lost Greg Olson, you lost Delaney Walker, we didn't know the tight end to pick up, I think that answer is O.J. Howard right now. He is certainly the top tight end waiver wire pickup. Arguably, and I'm going to ask you the price in just a moment, Arguably, he's the top receiving threat out of anybody that you should pick up this week. How much would you spend on O.J. Howard? I actually have him lower than how much oh, I would spend do. on the other guys. Okay. I feel a little bit stronger about the wide receivers just because there's a lot of mouths to feed in Tampa. And, you know, Michael Florio tweeted back at me last night once I tweeted out about this. Um, he told me, is it as simple as O.J. Howard is just Fitzy's guy and right. Cameron Brait is Jameis Winston's guy? I don't. I don't it, think so. It might be. But we don't even know that Jameis Winston is getting this job back. Well, that's one thing. So what if Ryan Fitzpatrick is the guy and and then O.J. Howard is the tight end he likes to target? O.J. Howard in year two, I mean, he's just improving. And it's not just like receptions and targets. And not just receptions and targets. It's snap count. And you just mentioned that last year it was 55% to 53%. Pretty Mm 50-50. And there's overlap because they're both in the field at the same time. This year, and this has nothing to do with who you're looking at, Cameron Brayton's on the field. When O.J. Howard he's is. not getting targeted even he's when a, he is. O.J. Howard is a better blocker. He's theoretically a better pass catcher. This is why he was a top 10 overall draft pick. O.J. Howard is an improving player. I'm not saying Cameron Brait is not good because he is. And you thought maybe there'd be a harder connection between Cameron Brait and Ryan Fitzpatrick. It doesn't exist. It's O.J. Howard, and I think he's an ascending player. And that's why I'm interested in O.J. Howard. Again, price-wise, I'm not going to spend over 10%. I'm going to spend about 8%, the same amount with John Brown. Uh, I think if you need a tight end, he's the number one ad of the pass catchers this week. Um, I like O.J. Howard. I do. Yeah, and I, I just find the timing weird, though, for all this happening, right? Because it tells you that either the front office isn't on the same page as the coaching staff because they Why signed the Cameron Brait to that monster contract extension, and they're not using him. So it, it just doesn't really all add up. Um, I don't really know what they were thinking because they used an early draft pick, obviously, on O.J. Howard. So it, it just seems... 
mind-boggling, frustrating, I guess is the word, because if Cameron Brait wasn't there, you know, just taking away a few of those snaps and a few of those targets per game, we're probably talking about O.J. Howard as a low-end tight end one every single week. I think so, too. I, I think so, too. Before we sign off YouTube, there's one more guy that I think we have to get to, and that's Giovanni Bernard. Mm-hmm. Joe Mixon has arthroscopic knee surgery, and he winds up probably missing the next week or two, given the fact that they had 10 days off that could help him. Now, he's out for the next couple of weeks. Giovanni Bernard becomes the starting running back in Cincinnati. You knew he was already getting all the passing down work, and now he should get the majority of the work, I would say. Bernard is out there in quite a few leagues, about 60% of leagues. How much are you spending on him this week? Well, if you were the Joe Mixon owner, I'm willing to go as high as 30%. That high, okay. Which is crazy because you, only, you might only get two or three weeks out of Gio Bernard, but those are two, two or three weeks where he's going to be ranked as a top 24 running back. He's going to be a legitimate RB2 just based on the way that they were using Joe Mixon. I think Gio Bernard kind of just slots right in there as the, the lead running back on this team. And we saw last year that in the games that Joe Mixon missed, Gio Bernard was still their go-to guy. I mean, this comes from Ray Summerlin, uh, you know, friend of the program from Roto World. Uh, he was writing up his uh, waiver wire article. Make sure to check that out at rotoworld.com. Uh, Giovanni Bernard handled 76% of the carries, 20% of the targets, and played 87% of the snaps in the two games that Joe Mixon missed last year. So based on the way they were using Mixon as like the workhorse this year, I think that we can expect Joe uh, Gio Bernard to be used in a similar fashion, I will say, in deeper leagues, if you kind of just wanted to take the next guy up after him. I think Mark Walton is that next guy up. They used a fourth-round draft pick in this year's draft. He's clearly behind Gio Bernard. He will fill that Gio Bernard role. He'll probably get six to eight touches a game. If you don't own Joe Mixon, how much are you spending? 20 to 25%. Still that high? Yeah. Interesting. Because you get an RB, you get a top 24 running back for the next two, maybe three weeks. I'm probably going 15 to 20% if yeah. I don't own Joe Mixon, and I'm probably just over 20% uh, if I do. That's going to do it for us on the video side of things. The Fantasy Football Frenzy is up next with Corey Parson, Chris Ventra, and Jim Day. They have you covered if you're listening to the podcast or on the radio, of course. We go for another five minutes or so. Please subscribe, rate us five stars, give us a like, uh, and support your BFFs. Before we wrap up, I also want to remind you that. NFL season is in full swing, but you can still win 2018 World Series tickets playing Daily Fantasy Baseball, and the entry is free. Go to DailyRoto.com and find out how DKMS is trying to eradicate blood cancer. Not only will you get educated on their wonderful mission, but you will find a link to free DFS baseball contests throughout the rest of the MLB season, hosted by Fantasy Draft, with a prize of two tickets to a 2018 World Series game, probably not in the Bronx. For anyone not interested in playing DFS, text FNTSY Sports to 50555. Once again, that is FNTSY Sports to 50555 to get involved in a great cause by DKMS and see what you can do to help eradicate blood cancer. You'll be better for it. Frank, I'm going to go quickly over the players to drop, and then I'll get to your number one waiver wire ad of the week. Yes. Cool? Yep. The ones we haven't named yet. You named Robbie Anderson, Kelvin Benjamin, Jameson Crowder, and Jordy Nelson. Those four guys. Are you dropping them all for an O.J. Howard? We mentioned Antonio Callaway. What about John Brown and Tyler Boyd? Where do they rank with those guys? So the one that I'm most hesitant to drop, which might sound crazy, is Kelvin Benjamin. Sure. Just because he, I think he's still going to be the top target. Uh, you know, once Josh Allen does, you know, get going here. I mean, we saw him start last week, and he was actually pretty fantasy viable just because he runs the ball a lot. But he needs a number one target, especially in the red zone. So uh, Kelvin Benjamin could be that guy. But Robbie Anderson, J. 
Jamison Crowder. I'm just I'm worried about Crowder because just the way Alex Smith operates, he doesn't throw a lot to wide receivers. And then last week, he actually targeted Josh Doxson more. And he, clearly, the first two reads in his offense are always going to be Jordan Reed, no pun intended, and then Chris Thompson. Chris Thompson had 14 targets last week. So What was the pun there? Reed. I said Reed's in the offense. I said Jordan Reed. Got it. Sorry. All good. <laughs> but, um, yeah, I, just, I think that he's kind of like falling behind um, Jamison Crowder, that is. So I'm willing to drop him. Jordy Nelson, I'm not will- ready to give up on Sterling Shepard yet. I know some people have thrown his name out there as a drop. I, I feel the same way. If you're in a 10-team league, you can certainly get rid of Sterling Shepard. Ten, 10 teams, yeah. In, in a 12-team in, in league, like, I'm taking a shot on John Brown instead of Sterling Shepard. You yeah. mentioned the A.J. Green thing, right? Sterling Shepard has that in his offense with Odell Beckham. He also has it in his offense. Saquon Barkley is always going to be a read ahead of him. You can make the case that Evan Ingram is always going to be a read ahead of him. That makes Sterling Shepard arguably the fourth option in this offense. And Eli Manning doesn't have the ability to just hang in the pocket right now. And that's both his fault and the offensive line's fault to make the read to get to Sterling Shepard. Because of that, I'm okay dropping him. You've talked me into it, Craig. So Sterling Shepard, I, I don't think I would drop him for Callaway. But I think I, agree I, I would that. do it for John Brown and Tyler Boyd. Those guys are clearly the number two targets in their offense. Totally agree with that. Um, Philip Dorsett, I'm going to wait on until yeah, Julian Edelman gets back. So I'm going I'm to wait on Philip Dorsett. I'll drop all of the Cowboys wide receivers. No problem with he that. Just signed Bryce Butler, too. Yeah, I mean, if you're going to keep one, it's Beasley. The other guys can all go. Um, when it comes to the running backs, you mentioned Tariq Cohen before. I'll throw out Duke Johnson to you. Do you feel comfortable dropping either of those guys? Definitely for Giovanni Bernard, if you wanted to take a crack there. Um, I'm not going to drop. There's to me. There's not a lot of running back waiver wire ads this week, like for the Bills running backs because the place of, play the Vikings because not, not Sean McCoy. It, you know he's dealing with the the the, the fractured rib right now. Uh, it, but you're not going to use either one of those guys against the Vikings anyway. So Marcus Murphy, Chris Ivory, they're out there. Maybe you take a stab at them in deeper leagues. I'm not dropping Duke Johnson or Tariq Cohen for either one of those guys. If you wanted to drop them for one of John Brown or Tyler Boyd, I'm okay with that. I think anything less than that, I'm still going to hold out on Duke Johnson and Tariq Cohen. I was going to say I would definitely drop them for John Brown or Tyler Boyd. Uh, Hugh Jackson actually just came out and said this. We need to get Duke Johnson more touches. He also said that last July 31st. So, great. You talked about the front office and the coaches not being on the same plan. Um, Duke Johnson, of course, given a contract extension uh, this past summer. One last waiver wire to add, Frank. It's the kicker position. The kicker position. You're excited about this. The man who is signed to bring the Vikings to the promised land. That is Dan Bailey, who's going to be kicking indoors for his home game. So uh, we know how accurate he is, and now he gets the potent offense that is the Minnesota Vikings. If you have a cold-weather kicker that's not reliable, say goodbye. Pick up Dan Bailey for real. Yeah, real quick, defensive streams. Houston against the Giants, Dallas against Seattle, Cleveland against the Jets. For Frankie Stample, my name is Greg Sussman. Thank you so much for watching and listening to the BFFs. We'll do it all again tomorrow. We We hope. hope.